The NFL Network provides live coverage of the East-West Shrine Game Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern and the Senior Bowl Saturday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. And we're now joined by NFL Network Analyst, longtime NFL Executive Mark Ross on the North North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Mark, welcome to the show, bud. Hey, appreciate you having me. Well, uh, so my idea to avoid anything like the 49ers running out of quarterbacks last night is I'm stealing idea from the NHL. Give me an emergency quarterback like they have emergency goalies. Can I get you on board with this? Well, you know, the NFL used to have that. And then with different rules and actually the coaches and, and the teams decided that it wasn't necessary because no one was ever using them. So, of course, yesterday's game, because of the magnitude of it, the significance and what happened and played out in real time, is definitely low-hanging fruit to say, we got to get that. But it's really, it hasn't happened before. And because teams realize that, that you know, it was very rare that you needed to use that roster spot, they would want to use it for a special teams player or a backup linebacker or whatever it may be. So, really, that's what the genesis of it was. It wasn't really just say, we don't, let's just get rid of it because we want the teams to look out there and look terrible. But it really was because the third quarterback was never really used, and they would rather use it that that roster spot on a position. Of course, because of the magnitude, as I mentioned, they'll probably re- revisit it, look at it again, and have some sort of backup emergency plan. But I mean, you might not see that happen again for another twenty years. Mark, how much difference would either Brock Purdy or Josh Johnson being healthy have made for that game? Uh, Josh Johnson, none. Brock Purdy, maybe a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I picked the Eagles going in. I just thought they were just the the more – both teams very, very talented, but the Eagles just a lot more talent. And the huge difference was the difference between Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy. I think that offense you – know, they wouldn't have been that bad where he just couldn't function at all. And it, it got to the point where you know, they couldn't do anything. But I think the Eagles still would have won the game, not to that, that big of a, a margin – but I think Brock Purdy still would have had trouble. I mean, that, you saw what that Eagles front did there, man. Those guys are feasting everybody all year long. So I think that still would have been the result. But, yeah, Josh Johnson really has been, you know, been on 25 teams, so I don't think he would have made a difference if he was in there, Brock Purdy, a little bit. So Moving over to the AFC title game, there was a lot of uh, consternation about the uh, officiating. Do you think it's a fair thing to say the referees cost the Bengals that game? I don't think they cost them the game, but you definitely – they were a lot more visible than they should have been. <laughs> they were, it was just like, okay, you're seeing this guy, those guys up there, he was talking more than you were seeing Mahomes and Burrow at, at certain points. It's like, come on. So, yeah, I think there were some questionable calls, some bad calls, but overall I don't think it cost them the game. But, uh, again, the, the, the NFL has been trying to get the officiating system better, and I think this has definitely highlighted the fact that, yes, we, we have better ways to do this. We have the cameras. We have the angles. We have the personnel in real time to look at these things and make things right for these teams, and that's something that definitely needs to be rectified. So you mentioned a little bit there, but how does the NFL handle its officiating issues? How, how can they get it more right? Well, I think with the technology you have, I mean, when you've got the reviews and you've got um, the angles and you have the command centers and you've got people in New York looking at these things, just make that a part of the game. When you see something is clearly right or wrong, don't give limited amount of challenges. Don't give 
all these rules to say, well, you only have a certain amount of time or, or challenges to get things right. You have the technology and you have the means to make things right all the time. Just make things right. So it's, it's fair for both the teams. It's fair for the fans and everybody that's invested in it. When you know you can actually do it, let's just do it. Mark, so I'm asking you this because you, you spent so long in the league as a uh, NFL executive. What is the what is the root cause of the officiating inconsistency? Well, a bunch of big, fast dudes going going a thousand miles an hour with a high pressure, and look, it's hard. You know, we we sit back and look at it as, as fans, or you watch it on TV, you see something, the replay over and over. But in real time, it's it's hard for those officials to get everything right. And one one bad mistake can be magnified and say they were they had a, did a horrible job throughout that game. So yes, there's there's a lot of ways. Should we have full time uh, you know officials? That could be something. But you know it's just it's just a hard job. I don't know why why anybody signs up for for refereeing or officiating even down on you know the lower levels, but especially at the highest level. Let's just help and support these guys because it is an extremely hard job and it's, it's coming at a fast pace in a high-pressure situation, so let's help them uh, be better. Mark Ross of the NFL Network, longtime NFL executive on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Um, I, I'm curious about the Mahomes thing. You know, I, I it seems like there might be a little bit of Mahomes fatigue setting in now. He's on his third Super Bowl in five years as a starter. The two years he didn't make the Super Bowl, his team's topped out in the AFC title game. I mean, that's pretty darn good. So how would you assess Mahomes' achievements through five years as a starting quarterback in the NFL? I mean, the guy's one of a kind. He's going to be, if he just stays on this path, I mean, right now if he retired, he should be a Hall of Famer. But if he just keeps going, you know, he'll be, he could pass Brady. And even if he doesn't, ever top him in the total amount of Super Bowls. But it's it's well, it's a lot of things with Mahomes. Number one is just the eye test. And the stuff he does where just every time he's out there, you're like, this guy is different than everybody who's ever done it. You know, that's the that's the main thing. Then you can start piling on the stats and the accolades and how much he wins. And that just enhances everything he does and enhances his specialness, his uniqueness. Uh, but I always go back. I'm a scout. I was, I was raised as a scout. When you just look and see, and everyone can see that, He's different. That's what really separates it all. But, um, you know, I, if you can't, if there's fatigue already with Mahomes, I mean, you just don't appreciate football because, I mean, it's, he's in there and the Chiefs, as long as he's stepping on the football field, he makes everybody better. And, you know, what he went through yesterday, just the fact that this guy's got a high ankle sprain and with an injury that keeps people out four or five weeks. And as soon as he got done the game last week, he's like, well, he'll play next week, no problem. Like, this is not normal. And for him to go out there and perform the way he did, he's just not normal. He's just built different than everybody else. Going from one quarterback in the Super Bowl to the other, Jalen Hurts, uh, it was this time last year that we were debating whether the Eagles should try to upgrade over Jalen Hurts or uh, whether they would be looking for a quarterback this time this year. One year ago, we were saying that. So I'll ask you, as a guy who who you know kind of grew up on the scouting side of things, what what growth or where are the biggest areas of growth that you've seen from when Jalen Hurts came into the NFL two years ago to who he is today? Yeah, Jalen, you, you really have to give it to him and, and how he's improved with the, the biggest thing for me was all, even, even in Alabama was just that the 
quickness of him reading defenses and getting the ball out of his hands in the pocket. Sometimes he was just a little bit too deliberate in that. And then now you've seen him just sort of flowers get better throughout the season with that. And, you know, his just to compliment his overall brilliance uh, with everything else he does. But, you know, I, I always believed in Jalen just because when you scout players, you know, there's certain players that are just always destined to be great. And every time they've been somewhere or they're great at, and the best that he's done that at every step of the way of his career, no matter where he's gone. And he just exudes that greatness, that specialness. And whenever you hear him do interviews and talk and the way he carries himself, the way his teammates respond to him and use him as their beacon, almost, you know, that's a unique quality that, rare people have and he's just that rare individual that sort of exudes that I'm always going to be great I'm going to overcome no matter what obstacle gets put in front of me and I think you just saw that with his career where he said you know what I'm going to get better I'm going to turn into a a completely great all-around quarterback did not think he'd be playing at an MVP level this fast I thought he would show gains and improvement so you know I give him all the credit in the world for what he's done and how fast he's ascended Mark, let's get to the Cleveland Browns here. Um, this weekend, or, or leading into this weekend, because the Bengals are a divisional foe, there was a lot of hand-wringing about how quickly Cincinnati has rebuilt it and how you know, the Browns have gone from 11 wins and a playoff win to to 8 wins and now 7 wins. And, of course, Deshaun Watson had, had a lot of ups and downs during his six games this year. And, oh, the defense was bad. So I'll ask you, like, if you're in Berea today and you're watching Joe Burrow uh, push the the Bengals almost to their second straight Super Bowl, and you've had the second straight disappointing season. Do you think that there is there should still be optimism in Berea for where the Browns are? You know, a couple years ago, I was real optimistic about the Browns, and actually did an article at NFL.com where I left. they were had the most talented roster in the league. Um, and now it's just as you said, you know, the Baker experiment failed, and now the whole Deshaun debacle and just it's all about him and for good or for bad or whatever. But when I looked at him last year, being yes, he's been he hasn't played in a long time. But it looked like he did not get any better throughout the season. So <clears throat> that's the major concern. How much better he'll get and <clears throat> everything's tied to him. Mark, looking to Kevin Stefanski, I mentioned 11 wins and then eight wins and now seven wins. Uh, it, it feels like we're finally back to that hot seat conversation in Cleveland. Does Kevin Stefanski start week one on the hot seat, or do you think that that's something that will have to develop over the course of the season before we can say he's really in any danger? Well, the perpetual hot, seat, hot seats in Cleveland for a bunch of different positions, it seems, so yeah, I think all eyes will be on Kevin Stefanski and, okay, he's supposed to be the offensive guru and everything, and here it is. You've got this quarterback who you must get right. You must get better, and now, all right, we've got the one year of he hadn't played, and that'll be the excuse. Okay, well, now you've got the whole offseason with him. You've got training camp. you got everything. And if the offense goes out there and looks like it did for much of the stretch, yeah, week one, there will be questions for sure. You know, And there's no margin for error when – that is your specialty, and you're paying this quarterback that much money, I think, from week one. Um, okay, yeah, there's questions, so you better get right week two, week three, and if there's no signs of improvement, you know, that hot seat, as you said, could be could be uh, heating up really fast. You mentioned the perpetual hot seat. 
Um, we've got some opinions here in town about uh, the Haslam ownership and you know their ability to kind of figure it out. Um, can can ownerships can owners improve and can you consistently overcome bad ownership? <laughs> I've never been asked that question. So, but I, I hit on owners a lot, and you know, people just assume certain owners, that owners know what they're doing. Even the hiring cycle now, where coaches, certain coaches get hired, owners kind of hire the, the coaches that they like. Not necessarily, they don't really know who the players like, or they don't keep that in consideration. Really know what who good head coaches are or good talent is. So. The good owners that I've been around, they've kind of been consistent with what they do. Bad owners tend to stay bad. You, yeah, I don't think you've really seen any owner of a bad franchise and all of a sudden they put together, cobble together a Super Bowl winner and get things done. Now, you strike gold with a, a franchise quarterback, but, but for the most part, you've got stable organizations who make sound decisions and they consistently do that. The, the organizations that kind of st- tend to stay at the bottom, they've been that way for a while. Mark, this this brings me to a philosophical question because here in Cleveland we're impatient. I don't know if you could tell that by my line of questioning. We're impatient. I've had plenty of Cleveland interviews. I know what's going on. (laughs) So, you know, and there's been this thought of that the Browns championship window is now and that the Browns should should maybe disregard the draft picks and and try and go heavy. Use those to get proven NFL vets. So we saw this in LA. Right, we saw, and it yep. did end up in a championship. So, when you look yep. at when you look at that mentality, are you an advocate for the bleep them picks lifestyle, similar to what the Rams did the last few years chasing a title? Yeah, it's uh, if it gets you a Super, the Rams change the game with that. So, yes, if it nets you a Super Bowl, certainly. But you see where the Rams are now, and so it's all we go back to ownership. When you make decisions like that, however you build your team. Um, and you have to do it. There's no one way to do it. Even if you say, oh, I'm going to build for the future draft, you still got to sign freeze. You still got to do that. And your win- windows in the NFL don't last long. I mean, look, look what's going on in Buffalo, where everybody thought, oh, Buffalo's going to be great forever. And their names, they're like, now there's a ton of questions about where Buffalo is as an organization. So you, you have to build that team as, as great as possible in each year to say, we got to take a chance. But the ownership really has to sign off on that L.A. plan and say, we're going to sacrifice everything possible for this one Super Bowl. And if everyone in that organization, the power brokers, feel like that's worth it, then you have to do it. But if the direction is, no, we cannot do that, this is the way we want to build it, then that's the direction you have to take. But it all takes everyone being in together. You can't have the head coach wanting to do one thing, the GM one thing, the owner setting a direction in another way. Everybody has to be on that plan, whatever that plan is, because – all of those different players have shown to produce Super Bowl wins the last few years. All right, Mark, we got about 45 seconds here. Uh, if Deshaun stays the same, I meaning if Deshaun is still your quarterback, obviously, Kevin Stefanski is still your head coach, what, if, if, if the Browns are to be in the playoffs next year, what is the most important thing they cure this offseason? If, if we're not just if we're not talking about Deshaun getting better, then that's pretty. That's it. He's got to get better. There's nothing else around him. Defense, pass rush, receiver. He has just got to improve dramatically, and the whole franchise is tied to that and how good he'll be. And you know, it's even you know the scary thing is I'm not to put more doom and gloom, but you know people forget that even you know his last year in Houston they were four and twelve. 
So despite all his brilliance, they were four and twelve. You could point to a lot of issues there, but you know that's really the concern. Is okay, even if he if he does get better, is he really the type that gets better and leads teams to victories? And uh, so that's really one through ten of list of importance for the for the organization. Mark, great stuff, man. Enjoy uh, the Super Bowl and the remaining football we have. We appreciate you, buddy. Sure thing. Take care now.